This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Now, this is going to be funny to say because this is a betting show, but usually we don't get off right in the first eight seconds with bets. But let's do it because the Leafs are playing the Flyers. It's really the only time we're going to be talking about them today. By the way, this is gameplay. I'm your host, Matt Scott, right here on TSN 1050. So let's get right to it. Producer Josh, um, you like the over and you like the Leafs even at minus 3.30 as they take on the Flyers. Well, Matt, it was a mix of everything. Did I catch off? By the way, did I catch off guard there? No. Wait, you, were, you, you were about to beat late. You were about to beat no, late. No, no, not at all. Well, yeah. no, not at all. I was just looking okay. at, I have the TV in front of me here at the TSN studios. Uh-huh. It is the next-gen game at uh-huh. Scotiabank Arena. It's it, it's going to be ruckus. It's going to be fun for all of the the young children down watching at the arena. you got to yeah. love these type of games. <laughs> yes, Before it gets going, I am going cowardly. It is going to be the Maple Leafs on the money line. And with everything going on around these games, there's a lot of goals all the time in these afternoon games for the Maple Leafs. So I'm going to side with the over, a bit of an alt spread here, five and a half. And then going to roll with the sniper on the team, Austin Matthews, to get over four and a half shots on FanDuel. That is my slate for the afternoon matinee at Scotiabank Arena. I, you know, my first thought on this game is, and this is so sad, is that they got to be losing money. Like the Air Canada Center has got to be losing money because the booze sales are going to be so low. It's children everywhere. I see babies with, uh, you know, with like the giant ear canceling muffs on their on their ears, uh, you know, because it gets loud. Got to protect little children's earballs, apparently. But I just, I imagine the beer sales. The one, yeah, the earballs. That's what I call it. I hear Nick in the background. Uh, the booze sales has got to be really low for this game today. <laughs> possibly. I, I, there's I, no I, possibly. It's surrounded by children. It's all I mean, children, but there's ID. definitely the, uh, this is the perfect time for a nice Christmas party with the work function to go to an afternoon game. It's around the holiday break. This is a perfect well, if, time. Um, if there's work parties, if, if there are work parties, then the booze goes up. Especially because no one's like, how many people are taking off work tomorrow? Yeah, especially with the the next winter storm coming to hit. So yeah, I mean, the like all I'm seeing is kids. So if it's a work party, great. Uh, maybe they get tuned up, but it is going to be a losing night uh, at the concession stands for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, and we should feel bad for them uh, because that's a group that needs all the money they can get. By the way, um, you are getting. Uh, you're getting uh, seward back here there, uh, Josh. Uh, one of the other producers, I won't say who, his name might uh, rhyme with uh, Slick. Uh, you forgot to turn your pot up, which is why you were delayed when I asked you that question. Be I'm, honest. Gonna, I'm turning around looking at him right now, and this is very, very disappointing. I'm, I'm actually... Producer this, on producer crime. This between the break might end up in some... Uh, it's some turmoil here. This is yeah, this yeah. can't happen. He's texting you while uh, the pot's not up. I'm just trying to get it figured out. Just trying to win some money on this afternoon. Yeah. I'm searching through the All bets, right, so and then you're, you're cert- Yeah, I might be. I might be one of those parents that just might be slipping the Molson Canadian under my under my feet 
That might be the booze sales. It's like, oh, yeah. take, taking my son to the game or taking my daughter to the game. I need the beer to get oh, me through. Oh, you 100% do. It's, as long as you're not driving home. No, you know, not as at long all. As, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you are walking out from the ACC and getting right on the TTC, then absolutely uh, have at it. Um, a, a pack show, but let's just, let's just start here um, with Pascal Siakam. The second most points ever scored by a Toronto Raptor happened last night. 52 points. He only missed eight shots, 17 of 25, 16 of 18 from the free throw line. He had seven assists. It should have been about 14, if not for Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi missing so many shots. The only people with 50 or more points active at MSG is Harden, Steph Curry, and LeBron James. The only guy with more points than Siakam in a game is actually is Fred Van Vliet. At the half, Siakam at 26, scored the last 17 points for Toronto in the third, nine more and an assist in the fourth. And I think the thing that impressed me the most uh, there, Josh, it's not the points, it's not even the efficiency, which is incredible, 68% shooting. He went to the free throw line 18 times. That's Giannis-like numbers. That's how the game was going. I was sitting back watching this game saying, this might be Siakam's night. This might be the punish of everybody's word right here. And he did it to the New York Knicks. It It was a fitting situation. You're at the Mecca. You're at the Garden. When else are you going to have this opportunity to show out? Raptors are on the slide. Shots weren't falling for you in the game of four. What do you know? Goes towards Julius Randle. Goes yeah. towards Jericho Sims on the inside. Took everything in front of him. Put it up and in. And as I said before in the, in the last couple of shows that we've done, the swoop up and in. And it worked tremendously yesterday. So, Wilt Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor, Rick Barry, Michael Jordan, Richard Hamilton, then you said LeBron James, Steph Curry, James Harden. Now Pascal Siakam as the list, as well as Kobe Bryant. The interesting thing, and you know, we'll talk about this more in the last segment, There's an, or the next segment, because there's, there's kind of a fascinating thing here about that stat that you just read. I, I, I'm going to throw this out there, but we'll get into it a little bit, because I want to get to my opening thought. Is, there, is Madison Square Gardens the single most unique place to play in sports in North America? And is it the most important place to play? And think about the gap between first and second. Something we'll discuss in a little bit, but I want to stick to basketball. By the way, I did say yesterday, take the Raptors to win. Take the Raptors on the money yes, line, whatever you wanted. And take the over of points and rebounds for Siakam. It was 32.5. You won that bet at halftime as the Raptors beat the Knicks, um, snapping their eight-game winning streak. But let's get to it. Let's get to my opening thought. Time now for Matt's opening thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? And here we go. I mean, it's really nothing more than a self-absorbed monologue, a chance for Matt to rant about something and pretend he's a serious radio personality instead of a gas bag. Let's face it, he stole this idea from Dennis Miller. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! It's my final show on gameplay before Christmas. I'll be doing the morning show tomorrow. Tomorrow you guys get Jim Taddy. Hey, you get an early Christmas gift. It's not me. You get Taddy. You're welcome. 
Uh, there are a lot of gifts from the sports world right now. The Leafs' defense at goaltending being far better than we expected. The Marner point streak. So I still have the glow of the Argonauts winning the Grey Cup. And the Raptors. Yeah, lousy year so far. But hey, Siakam, 52 points. Now, for this opening thought, maybe my favorite sports gift going forward is a big picture thing with the NBA. Because, you see, they've given us a fantastic present. They've given us the gift of parody. Think of it as Jelly of the Month Club. It's the gift that keeps on giving there, Clark. From 1999 to 2011, the finals, it was always the Spurs or the Lakers. Soon after that, the big three in Miami. Then that worst period when Durant was in Golden State and they wrecked havoc all over the NBA. But that started to disappear. That sort of obvious, predictable nature of the NBA is dissipating a little bit. LeBron's getting older. Durant is either injured or moody. And there's more talent coming into the league. I don't remember a year with such parity as this season. First off, thank God the Warriors are a mess. We should all thank Draymond Green for punching Jordan Poole or the team's decision to try and integrate more youth with the veterans. Otherwise, this team might have more wins. They're 3-16 and 16 on the road, and they have been sleepwalking through the first half of the season. But the cool thing is, we have no idea who will win it all. The hottest team to start the year, the Boston Celtics. Well, they just lost back-to-back to Orlando. See, Raptors, don't feel so bad. Same thing happened to you. Last night, they lose to the Pacers. At the half, Indiana led 71-43. When Boston left the court of halftime last night, they were greeted by boos from the fans at TD Garden. Think about that a week and a half ago. You never would have thought that. Boston, greatest offense all ever. Boston, running away with East. Hasn't happened. Now the best team in the East, Milwaukee. But let's just remember, Chris Middleton missed the playoffs last year. Started the year uh, out because of a wrist surgery. Just missed his third consecutive game with right uh, knee soreness. He's played less than 10 games this year. He's getting you 11 points per game. Not shooting the ball well. By the way, the Bucks just lost by 41 to Memphis. Then you got the Nets. Hey, they could win 20 in a row. Or Kevin Durant could want out. Ben Simmons may sue the team for making him go to practice. Kyrie Irving could throw his hat in the ring and become the new CEO of Twitter. I'm serious. If you give me two options on FanDuel, option one, Kyrie is your NBA Finals MVP. Option two, Kyrie is the new CEO of Twitter. I've got to go 50-50. Philadelphia, Harden and Embiid, great one-two punch. Tucker, Maxi, Harris, uh, you know, a lot of talent there. But Harden is not as dynamic as he used to be. Joel Embiid is immature and he breaks down. Then we got the West. You know, you, you got the, the Denver Nuggets are great, but defensively an absolute mess. The Clippers, they always want to be that top three team in the West, and they always are on FanDuel for some reason. But, you know, can you can you really trust them? The, the Clippers kind of remind me of the Brooklyn Nets. They're kind of like Brooklyn Nets West Coast. They have less drama but more injuries. The record doesn't always indicate what FanDuel thinks in terms of them winning the championship. The Pelicans and Grizzlies, great stories, young teams. These are the young ones looking for what the old guys have, and they're trying to do it a couple years ahead of the normal life cycle of an NBA championship team. The best player in the West might be Luka Doncic. They're in 10th. 
Phoenix Suns are another great year. But DeAndre Ayton is still fighting with his coach. And Chris Paul's health? Wait and see. The basic point is, normally in an NBA year, at the beginning of the year, the midway point of the year, at the start of the playoffs, there's maybe max, maximum, four teams that I could see that have a legitimate chance to win it all. Now that number is, I mean, you could argue that number is 10. Now that's going to make it tough as a better, as I expected a lot of these teams to be going after Victor Wembanyama, and they're winning too many games, and all the parity, it's going to make life more difficult on your parlay, but it's going to make life a lot more fun if you're just a basketball fan, because one thing I'm tired of is dynasties and predictable postseasons. So thank you to the NBA for giving us the gift of parity. And that is my opening thought. I'm finished. Like normally, you always kind of knew. You always kind of knew who was going to be in the finals. And you were rarely wrong by very much, maybe a little bit. But But this year, I mean... Who right now, Josh, and I bet whatever your answer is, I bet it's changed, and I bet it will change again. Who do you got in the, who do you got in the finals right now? Oh, finals prediction on yeah. a Thursday in December. Okay. This is so tough. Well, well looking, I'm going to base it off. Okay, of okay, wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Oh. Oh, okay. I was going to say, before you do, I'll, let me ask it this way. I'm going to throw out team names. You tell me, not that they'd be a slam dunk, but you wouldn't be shocked if they won the championship. Are you ready? I'm set. Milwaukee. Uh, they're capable. I wouldn't be shocked. I can, wait, wait a minute. Of course not. Why did you not give that answer right away? If I said to you uh, the Heat, that would get a... Uh, but the Milwaukee Bucks, yes. Boston, yes. What about the Cavs? No. Not best this year. Scoring dif- okay, best scoring differential in the East. Brooklyn Nets. That deserves a maybe. Philadelphia. Yes. Okay. So, out of those five, um, I'll put you down for four and a half. Uh, Between the Knicks, the Heat, uh, Raptors, I'm sure there's no other team you would have in the East, correct? We didn't mention the Celtics. Yes, I did. Oh, you did? I don't think I don't think I agreed to that. Okay, Okay. Boston. Okay, Boston, you could see. Boston, I could see. Bucks, I could see. Nets, I could see. Anything Philly. below and Philly, I can see anything below that. It's it's like a it's like a flip a coin situation. The Heat could all right could sneak let's in. Go four, let's go four and a half. Okay, between Cleveland and Miami, four and a half. In the West, Denver best record right now in the NBA in the West. No, really? Why not? I think it be, it will come down to the depth of the team and the experience throughout the playoffs. If a team goes into a series and you know how to stop Jokic, there's really no chance. That's how I so see not, the Denver Nuggets. Not faith in, not faith that they, they, they did this the a couple years ago where they topped the Western Conference. Everybody was high on them, and then they ran into a roadblock, and everybody got stuck. And that was with the healthy lineup. But then again, they have Porter Jr. back. Jamal Murray is playing yeah. back to his normal seat. He's getting there. He's getting there. So. I'm going to say no at this point in December, but you just threw out the MVP word. A third in a row is in in the sights here, Matt. All right, so now I'm going to twist the question around. If you don't think Denver's the uh, the, uh, could win the championship from the West, who in the West do you think could do it? 
Outside of curses, I'm going to say the Los Angeles Clippers. Outside if, of the who? Outside of the curse of that that haunts the Los Angeles Clippers when it comes into the playoffs. Right, right. Only okay, making so the, the conference final twice. Yep. The Phoenix Suns should deserve a lot more credit. The Memphis Grizzlies are a sneaky underdog, depending on John Moran's health, if they can, if he can get through a whole extended playoff run. Yeah. Jaron ja- Jackson Jr. is back to his He's great top defensive. stage. He's the best defensive player in the league. I would say so. He, he, he could be up there in those award rankings. Oh, yeah. How about the New Orleans Pelicans for a dark horse? I, 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 absolutely. By the way, you haven't mentioned the Warriors. There's a reason for that, Matt. They're in eleventh right now. There, there is a reason for off? that, and I'm, I'm going to get the fingers pointed at me saying, "Well, they, they didn't start that well last year. They were in a playoff position, and uh, they were, they're holding on to a play-in, and then they jumped up to third in the West mm-hmm. that quick." But who propelled them to that state, there, Matt? Uh, last year was uh, the, the resurgence of Andrew Wiggins. The resurgence of Andrew Wiggins and Steph Curry playing at an MVP caliber level. In the second yep. half of the season, that's what turned it around. So sitting here on a cold day in December, saying Golden State's going to make it back to the NBA Finals, I'm not say saying they are. I, no, I, I'm not saying they are. But okay, so you're less optimistic than me because I'll tell you my list. Let's hear Denver, it. Memphis, Pelicans, Suns, Clippers, and the Warriors. I got six teams that would not shock me at all if they made it to the NBA Finals. I got six in the West and in the East. Milwaukee, Boston, I got Cleveland, I got Brooklyn, I got Philly. I have 11 teams. And if I was going to knock out one, I think I would knock out Cleveland. I have 10 teams that I could see winning it all out of 30. I'm used to having four. I've never seen this amount of parity in the last 25 years in the NBA. Not at all. It's usually, oh, there's the one at the top, and everybody's going to start chasing that team. Right? Like, if you look at the Western Conference... It's separated by, what, four games or so? Like, that yeah. is a huge mark. Tenth. It's nuts. The Minnesota Timberwolves, 16-16. and 16. First, 19-11 Denver Nuggets. Four games back. How do you compare? Like, there is so much parity, and I, I agree with your statement, but when we look at the NBA Finals winner right now, like, it's, it's the hardest decision we can make. But did we think the Golden State Warriors would do that last year? Did we think, oh, uh, they're going to lift the Larry no, no, OB, no. fair and square, no. Curry's going to win the Vials MVP. We all thought it was going to be the Boston Celtics. We thought it was time for Tatum. We thought it was time for Jalen Brown. We thought it was time for the depth they had on that lineup. And now we're turning heads again. On the other side, I want to get back into Siakam scoring 52, but I want to take it from a different perspective. That Madison Square Gardens might be the most is the absolute most unique arena in North America. And I'll explain in a moment right here on Gameplay. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. Double or nothing. Done. Witness. Embrace the odds. I want winners. I mean, you can't go wrong with Nat King Cole, can you? In terms of best Christmas songs ever. Iconic. You're getting me in the mood here. Hell yeah. 
Uh, it's time for my third glass of eggnog and rum. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause, right here on TSN 1050. We're doing Christmas songs throughout the show today, um, just because it's my last show doing uh, Gameplay. So wanted to get some Christmas tunes as we're only a couple days away. So, and I- I'm going to make sure to just call it Madison Square Garden. Someone correctly said it's not gardens, it's Madison Square Garden. There is no S, and that is true. The interesting thing about that is when Siakam got those 52 points and dragged the Raptors to such a much-needed win. And by the way, I hope the Raptors go on a bit of a heater right now because that game could be one of those sort of mini turning points. And in any season, there's not one turning point in 82 games. There's a couple. But you don't want what Siakam did yesterday, those heroics, to be in vain and the team lose the next, like, four out of five. But what was the conversation afterwards? Beyond it being about the excellent Siakam, it was about, oh, Harden and LeBron James are the only active, or whoever it is, the only active players to score 50 or more at Madison Square Gardens. And here's my question for everyone. Do we do that for any other uh, arena, any other stadium in basketball? Is there anywhere else where if LeBron gets 60 in Indiana, we're like, oh, that's only the fourth player in Indiana to score 60 points in that arena. But there's just something about the magic, the the history of Madison Square Garden, where we always bring that up. There's always the stats. Even like even when uh, the Knicks play, usually on Christmas Day, I remember when Derrick Rose shattered records, and they go, well, that's on Christmas Day, and that's at Madison Square Garden. But yes. outside of the formerly um, Staples Center, now Crypto.com Arena, maybe <laughs> the TD Garden. Is there anywhere else... No, that has that, in, that no. iconic poetic name to it. It, none, it has to be Madison Square Garden in the in the NBA slash NHL at least. Well, go go to the other sports. The only ones you could bring up, um, you know, maybe you do a little bit of Fenway, Yankee Stadium, or Wrigley. But I don't hear. Oh, that's the most home runs hit at Wrigley. I always hear about Madison Square Garden in football. There's only one, and even that doesn't it would be Lambeau Field. What is it about in basketball, immediately after Siakam hit 50, immediately, everyone on social media and, and PR agent and all the different PR people in, in basketball were putting it out, and they're like, oh, I, I, like, I now have the list. I had it moments afterwards of visiting players to score 50 or more points at MSG. It's a small list. Why don't I get that uh, in Miami at beautiful FTX Arena? They're going to have to change that name. Um, we don't get that, uh, the Pacers. We don't get that, Milwaukee. We don't get that a- anywhere else. No, it's no. only at Madison. And that team hasn't done any real winning since the 70s, and they haven't been to the finals since 1998. And is Madison Square Garden the only arena with <laughs> numerous nicknames? The Mecca, the Garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, we have to look at it at that type of scale, right? You got to put them up. It's like it probably is. I want to send this out to to everyone. I'm going to post this on my Twitter and tell me if you agree yeah. with this, Matt. Is Madison yeah. Square Garden the most popular arena slash stadium in North America, outside of AT and T, outside of formerly Staples Center, outside of TD Garden? Would you put it number one? Uh, for basketball, it's Madison Square Garden. There's nothing close. Number two, there's, no, there's, a, there's a massive gap. Uh, you could do some Fenway, Wrigley, Yankee Stadium, maybe. Uh, not even Yankee Stadium, it's a new one. I put Fenway, I put Wrigley, Lambeau Field, and that might be the list. That might be the list. 
Yeah, we'll ask our next guest, NBA writer for CBS Sports. James Herbert's going to join the show. We'll ask him about that um, and just get into the season of parody and what we saw from Pascal Siakam. That's coming up next right here on Gameplay. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm host Matthew Cos. And, yeah, if you're doing the greatest Christmas songs of all time, you need Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You, 100%. We're only doing Christmas tunes on the show today in a little bit, and I mean this. I'll tell you right now if I think an NFL game is a stinker, even if it is on our station. And if it's on our station, it's a bad game, like, hey, put down 10 bucks on the first half under and cheer for punts because you're going to get a lot of punts. But the Thursday night between the Jags and the Jets is actually a really good game. It is a wildly compelling game, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, in a second, we're going to have James Herbert on the show, NBA writer for CBS Sports. And the only, like, we'll start on the positive. Again, Siakam, incredible, only missing eight shots, and just doing it when the Raptors needed to win bad. They would lost six in a row. The Knicks had won eight in a row. on the, And it was a classic Raptors win. 18 more field goal attempts, seven more offensive rebounds. They only had four turnovers, and the Knicks had eight at 16. So with the Raptors offense, it is about quantity, often not about quality unless it's Siakam. My only issue was against Scotty Barnes getting benched. Scotty Barnes, no free throws. He said 19 games of two or fewer free throws this year. And 10 games in 28 with zero free throws. And uh, you know what? We'll continue with uh, with Raptors Talk from CBS Sports. Covers the NBA. It's James Herbert. James, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, 100%. So um, the story of last night, uh, I, I think easily, well, not easily, I'm biased, but it's going to be Siakam, 52 points in New York, breaking uh, the Knicks' eight-game winning streak. But from a bigger picture, James, as someone who you know covers the whole NBA, it's not like you're on Raptors beat, how confusing is this team for you, a team that's below 500, a team that's got like the same record as the Lakers, but a team that had so much promise <laughs> at the start of the year? They're very confusing. I think if you had asked me a few weeks ago, like say before Pascal Siakam had come back, um, before some of you know the sort of disturbing losses that the Raptors had, um, you know the game against New Orleans, the game in Brooklyn, like they've had a few of these um, really kind of dispirited efforts. I wouldn't have said they were confusing at all. Like a few weeks ago, I would have said this is a team that knows exactly. Powell wants to play. It's a little bit shorthanded. It, especially on offense, has a bit of a hill to climb on, on a lot of nights, and it needs to make up for the shortcomings in terms of shooting, in terms of individual playmaking, by crashing the glass, by forcing turnovers, by just like flat out playing harder than the other team, taking advantage of the athleticism and the versatility and just kind of the weirdness of, of the roster. Um, and, you know, being unpredictable defensively and kind of dominating the possession game and, and going from there. And I, I, I felt back then that I, I knew what I was going to get from the Raptors for the most part in terms of style of play, in terms of defensive intensity, kind of regardless of how much talent they had on a night-to-night basis because, again, like Siakam was missing. They had other guys that were in and out of the lineup. And... I still was like pretty sure that when they were whole again, 
they were going to be the team that we sort of thought they were going to be coming in, coming into the year. They were going to build off what they did last year when they were healthy. And it was a team that was going to be like in the mix for home court advantage in the East. And that if it fell into the play in like, depending on circumstances, maybe that would be understandable, but that would kind of be a disappointment. That's how I, that's how I thought of the men at this point. It is, it is just strange because the defense has not been consistent. I don't honestly, like, I can't say that the effort has been consistent night to night. The, the shooting is one thing. And some of that has been befuddling too. Um, Fred Van Vliet shot a lot better lately, especially, you know, um, the other night when he had 39, um, a lot of that was inside the arc, but, but his three-point shot was coming back, too. Um, but Trent was having a down year. A lot of the role players weren't shooting well. Um, you knew the shooting would be a potential issue. You just didn't think it was going to be this or that. But the shooting is not what, like, could really concern me the most. Like, what, what concerns me about the Raptors is, like, the vibes have been very different. Um, you led into this by talking about Scotty Barnes and not getting to the line. And, like, I'm a guy who just wrote this, like, big, long story on him last year about just kind of what a joy he was um, yeah. to watch, what a joy he was for the team, um, how his teammates felt about him, how his old coaches felt about him, all of this stuff. And his energy has just been different this year. It does not look nearly as fun. His stats aren't that different from last year, but, I mean, like the game last night was a pretty decent example where he gets benched near the end of it. He was not productive. Um, there have been defensive mistakes, which I think – you know, he had defensive mistakes as a rookie too, but often he overcame them with effort and it, and you were willing to overlook that stuff. He's a first year player, whatever. I, I think there was yeah. an expectation that he was going to come into the year. He was going to be clearly improved in a number of areas. That hasn't quite happened, but I think the energy from the team has just been kind of different. I'm not sure exactly what is going on. Maybe Siakam's career night can be what gives them a jolt, um, but they have not been as kind of, reliable or as for lack of a better word like raptors like to me over the past month or so it's the same thing with us we're all looking at the team and we're scratching our head um you mentioned siakam the 52 points and the one thing i i I thought about was right after the game was done you start getting all these press releases about how siakam is now one of only a couple other active nba players to score 50 at madison square garden lebron steph and harden and and then you see the list of everyone every visiting player to score 50 or more and and i'm wondering james do we do that for any other arena do we do that when (laughs) someone scores 50 at the toyota center in houston or the United Center in Chicago, or Wells Fargo Center in Philly. I, I, I was thinking about it for a second. I can't think of really almost any other sport where, the, where immediately the geography of the greatness of the player gets mentioned as quickly as it does as it does with Madison Square Garden. No, I mean, it, it, that is what happens, for better or worse, right? Like, I, I definitely know some people who are, are tired of hearing about that and who are sick of it but also like, yeah. every time somebody says that kind of thing I think like all right but like I see how players eyes light up when they talk about MSG not literally everybody but a lot of them um, I, I do think there are there is a certain feeling of butterflies when people uh, come in to play at MSG for the first time whether it's you know a big game um, that is on national television that is hyped up that has just a different vibe in the arena or whether it's just like, you know, any other like game on the schedule where a certain player is going in there hoping to have a big night. I think there are some qualities of it. 
that are different. I wasn't there last night. Um, I was there for the Harden game where he had 61, and I was absolutely crazy. Um, but I didn't walk out of the arena personally thinking, like, oh, that was so nuts that it happened here. It was just, like, a crazy performance, right? But, you know, I mean, I, like last year when Stephen Curry was approaching the all-time record for three-pointers, there were a lot of people when it became apparent that it might happen at MSG that were, like, looking at that story and how he had kind of had one of his sort of breakout moments, a turning point in his career, um, you know, like nine years earlier when he had 54 and he made all those threes and it happened to be at Madison, at Madison Square Garden. And, again, it's like I get why people were like, oh, it doesn't mean more because it was in New York. It was like Steph, like, did something incredible and this shows how he's changed the game and what a remarkable career he's had. But, like, Steph Curry himself said it meant something to him. So yeah. I don't want to take that away from him. I don't want to take that away from anyone. I'm sure, like, Siakam was hyped that it happened there. Um, I think just the lighting, the ambiance, the atmosphere, like, that is different. Like, I, I go there a ton. I live in New York. But um, he would have still, like, if he had that game anywhere, like, the players would have been celebrating. It just, it, there's not that extra asterisk that you can put on it afterward where it's some, they're bringing up past performances from other crates that have stepped through there. Yeah, I don't see a player going, wow, I did well at FTX Arena. Man, this is history. Yeah, no. Look, look, look upon that <laughs> with the glory that is FTX. Moving on. Um, the other really big thing I, I wanted <laughs> to ask you about is I, I don't know how long you've been covering the NBA. Uh, I, I've been a fan since John Starks dunked on Jordan, and as a long-suffering Knicks fan, he dunked on Jordan and Pippen, and he dunked on both of them, and I won't hear anything otherwise. I don't remember a season with this amount of parity where I can legitimately bring up four and a half teams in the East and maybe five or more teams in the West that could legitimately win the NBA title. I don't remember the last time of such parity. I'm curious your thoughts. No, I I don't remember a time either. And I wasn't covering the league back when, when Starks was um, in his heyday, but I was a fan. I, I was watching, and I don't remember ever feeling as wide open as it does now. Um, there's certain years where you look at it and you can name, at this point in the season, like uh, more than a handful. But this is like just the separation in the standings. Like in the West, like look at the top ten teams. It's like four games. Like yeah. that is crazy. Like unless you are one of the teams that's right at the bottom, like the. San Antonio's of the world that are like tanking the season. Like if you want to compete for a play-in spot, like you can, there is time to make that up. And if you're in the middle, which represents most of the league, like a full half the league is within four games of first place in their conference at this point, which is insane. Um, but for most of the league, that's kind of in that murky middle. Like you can talk yourself into, all right, look, if we get some momentum, then we could potentially get home court advantage in, in, in the playoffs. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm not sure it will remain quite like this. Um, I think there's a lot of things that have gone into this, some of which have been like a direct result of efforts from the NBA to like try to create some parity or at least try to discourage tanking um, in terms of the decreased lottery odds for the teams that are all the way at the bottom and making the bottom four teams have the same um, percentage there. And then also the, the playing tournament is a game changer. It's a huge variable. And I think as other people, smarter than people than me have noted, like teams around the NBA have noticed um, what the playing tournament has meant for teams 
in recent years, how, you know, a team like the Pelicans last year looked like their season was going down the tubes um, when they were about a third of the way through it. They end up, I think they won like 36 games in the regular season last year, but it was enough to sneak into the play, and that ended up being enough to sneak into the playoffs. And now look at them. Like, they're, yeah. they're the top of the West. They, they think of themselves as championship contenders, and they absolutely should. And they, they gain some experience. They gain some confidence. They, like, when, when you have that type of experience, you can bring a team closer together. It can also make you sharper, and it can tell the team and the players what they need to work on, what, like, how they need to get better. And I, I think that can do something for you. And I, I think the vast majority of teams right now are still competing they're still looking to be buyers heading into the trade deadline. Not all of them. And uh, I think there will be some teams that pivot, uh, especially considering how good this year's draft class is. But I think but those, those are like direct results of what the league has done. There's other stuff that's happened where it's certain teams who were expected to be all the way at the top have just been completely banged up and have underperformed and all of that. And they've been shoved to the middle when yeah, maybe like the Clippers should actually be a title contender, right? Like the Warriors being this, sort of mediocre was not something that I, I think most people expected coming into the year, despite the fact they lost some role players in, in the off season. So I, I don't know if it looked quite like this at the, at the end of the year, but it's weird and it's fun. And like night to night, it's pretty good. Like last night there were a few blowouts, but in general, blowouts are way, way, way down this year compared to last year. And they've been right now they're on pace to have the most overtime games in NBA history based on how this season has gone so far. It's incredible. It's uh, a unique season, and it's been a ton of fun early on. Hey, James, really appreciate it. Check out his work at CBS Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Outside the NBA. How'd you get that handle on Twitter? Thanks so much uh, for joining the show today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. That is James Herbert, NBA writer for CBS Sports. On the other side, we do it every Thursday. It is Stardom, Sit'em, Cut'em. That's coming up next. This is Gameplay. On TSN 1050. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Embrace the odds. I want winners. Today we're going to have you play a fun little game called F*** Mary Kill. Oh, wow. For this game, we'll show you pictures of three people, and you have to decide which one you want to have sex with, which you'd marry, and which one you'd kill. Oh, okay. That sounds fun. All right, this is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matt Collins, right here on TSN 1050. Let's do it. It's the sports version of F. Mary Kill. Start him. Sit him. Cut him. Producer Josh, what do you got? Here we go. Another Thursday edition. Another staple on the station. Don't you love it? Madison Square Garden. The Mecca. The Garden. The home where Pascal Siakam put up 52 in a career-high performance and an instant classic for the Toronto Raptors. And Matt, out of all of these following performances, yeah. where would you rank them? Siakam's. 52 points against the Knicks. Yep. Van Vliet's 54, scoring the most points by an undrafted player. Or DeMar DeRozan's 52 on New Year's Day of 2018. I am going to cut the Van Vliet one. It's kind of, um, you know, didn't mean as much. Middle of a good season by the team. I'm going to sit DeMar DeRozan because to go score 52 on New Year's Day... No one is behaving well on New Year's Day. Everyone is slow, sluggish, full, bloated, guilty, hungover. And I'm starting Siakam because he did it against a team that had won eight in a row for a Raptors team that had lost six in a row. They needed that win. I'm starting Siakam. And there may be a reason why 
DeRozan's 52 was the most on New Year's Day. Yeah, everyone else was, all the other defenders were hungover. <laughs> There's been some chatter around the NBA. There's rumblings that a top star, if you can believe it, could be traded from their respective team. Out of this season, who would you start, sit, or cut based on their skill set? And who would a team like the most? Yeah. DeMar DeRozan, Trey Young, or Zach Levine? I am going to start Zach Levine. I'm going to sit Trey Young and I'm going to cut DeMar DeRozan. A part of that is about age. Um, I, I think Trey Young is not having a great year, but there's more upside, much younger, and he's taking a team to an Eastern Conference Finals. That might have been a fluke. But DeMar DeRozan is part of this uh, this last generation of the great mid-range jumpers. It's not as much part of the NBA now, so I'm sorry, DeRozan. i got to cut you. Not a bad look at all. You can make a case for either of one of these players. They're all stars yep. throughout the NBA. Let's go to the ice, the NHL. There's been a lot of trade talk around the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. (laughs) Of course. There always has to be, especially around the top six forwards. In terms of who's the best fit, who are you starting, sitting, or cutting? Ryan O'Reilly, Bo Horvat, or James Van Riemsdyk? Okay, well, I'm going to start Ryan O'Reilly just in terms of you know, he's done it before. Big and physical. Brings something different to the team. I'm going to start him. I'm sitting Bo Horvat, who's having a great year, at least scoring goals. And I know, by the way, I know JVR. I know JVR is having a really good year this year. But I'm sorry, of those three, he's getting cut. I agree with you in so many ways there, Matt. I know. O'Reilly, I know Horvat, Van, JVR. Yeah. yeah. Making that return? Possibly. Yeah. This week has been filled with hits, fights, scraps around the NHL. If you see a player charging at you, yeah. which player would you categorize as the best grinder in the NHL? Okay. Ryan Reeves, Brady oh, Kachuk, yeah. or Arbor yeah. Jack Guy? Or, sorry, who's the third one again? Arbor Jack Guy, uh, Canadian's defenseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oof. Oh, I'm starting Brady Kachuk, I'm sitting Arbor, Ryan Reeves, and I'm cutting Arbor Jack Guy. <laughs> They're all heavy. They're all heavy hitters. I know. Like you can't know, make that. You can't make that case. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I start with Brady. Just I. I, I was the Ryan and the Jack Guy. Those were the two that I was sort of debating between. I wouldn't want to get a punch from either one of them. No. Holiday season is here, Matt. Only a couple days till Christmas. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah to everyone out there who celebrates. Yes. Yes. On a holiday dinner, Matt, you have to yep. start, sit, or cut these three. Are you okay. getting a nice roast beef, the turkey, okay. or the stuffing? Okay. Um, we're going to cut the stuffing only because this is a meat-on-meat thing here, and it's roast beef versus turkey. I am going to sit turkey. I'm actually going to start the roast beef. I think the roast beef has the highest ceiling. Turkey's got the highest floor, but turkey can also be super dry. And as someone who likes the dark meat, I find a lot of it gets taken too early. I'm stuck with the dry white meat, but I'm still going to take it over the stuffing. Sorry, stuffing, but i got to go with mains before I go with sides. Depends who also cooks it. That might be a big factor as well. Yes. Final question here. We love the Christmas movies here at TSN. I I think you do, too. You have that holiday side to you, Matt. Start, sit, cut. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 
Home Alone, one or two. I, I will say the first two Home Alones. Or Elf. Um, none. None oh. of those three. Here is the list. I am going to start number one. It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart. Frank Capra's classic. Number two, voiced by Tom Hanks. It might look creepy, but Polar Express is a great film. And, and, apologies to Love Actually. Oh, wait a minute. No, I forgot about Die Hard. Okay, I'm starting. It's a Wonderful Life. I am sitting Die Hard, and then I am cutting Polar Express. Apologies to Love Actually and the most underrated Christmas movie of all time, Fred Claus. There is so many Oscar winners in that movie, and Vince Vaughn is an absolute delight. Check out Fred Claus if you haven't seen it. That's the list. So you wouldn't even pick one? No, none of those three. Those three are all great movies, and I'm going to watch all of them. I've watched some of them already. None of them are making my top three. I'd have I'd have the Muppets Christmas Carol there. I'd have Scrooge um, I, I, before I'd have those. You but make, then I'd probably have Elf after that. You passionately said it. You make a great claim for all of them. And many people yeah. would debate, is Die Hard a yeah. Christmas movie? And that wraps up our stardom cinnamon. We would continue on that, but I can't wait for our conversation. Former NFL offensive lineman, Super Bowl champ of the Broncos, Ryan Harris, really smart, really <laughs> thoughtful, joins the show next. This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 